the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. People, Leo Phillips here with another edition of This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week we bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this gigantic, big, spongy globe. We talk to our guests about passion. We talk first concerts, last concerts, and everything in the juicy center. This week, we are delighted to share my conversation with Francis Quinlan. We went to see, I want to get all these bands, I'm trying to remember. It was Static X, mm-hmm. Morbid Angel, oh, wow. Slayer, and Pantera. <laughs> In the burst of indie guitar bands with raw-hearted lyrics and soaring emotional choruses, Hopalong have always stood out. In the midst of her bandmates' immaculate and inspiring musicianship, Frances Quinlan's undeniable voice rings loudly. It is a mind of its own. Now, in addition to the steely flame of records like Bark Your Head Off Dog, Frances recently started a solo project under her own name this time adding synth and strings to her breathtaking voice and guitar. Her poetic lyrics and ability to perfectly express how difficult it is to express oneself is a magic trick that never ceases to amaze. In this chat, Frances and I discuss tour life with her brilliant band, the inspiration behind her brand new solo album Likewise, which I love, and it is out this week. And we also chat through what it truly means to separate art from the artist, which is one of the discussions that I love the most. Be sure to stick around for the live show of the week, brought to you by StubHub. And in the meantime, let us not be delayed. This is me and Francis. Enjoy! welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Um, so you just did a showcase now, or did you play something earlier? They I was said- I performed earlier, yeah. Yes. Uh, and then I have a, I'm playing uh, at a festival on Sunday. Okay. I, I and my band have been touring through Chicago since like 2009. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. Do you enjoy playing in Chicago? Oh, absolutely. Every time we play, uh, the reception gets a little more lively, which yeah, I really enjoy. Every time. The last time, yeah, the last time we were here, I think was the best yet. We played, I, I believe it was Logan Square Park. Mm. And it was lovely to see, like, there was this big statue in a field and all these kids were sitting on it. When you are traveling, are you able to have some sort of affinity toward the different venues? Like, are you able to enjoy a venue or do you just kind of, are you like, mm, it's all really the same like how you know close do you get to it i guess you know to be honest i'm i will say that that certainly has a lot to do with my attitude that day which (laughs) uh if we've been on the road for 10 hours it can be hard to uh really appreciate a space and not kind of just go to work yeah but no the the staff in a lot of places certainly makes it easier a kind staff uh certainly adds Lots of affinity to a space. I mean, we played, oh yeah, we played a number of venues where I certainly felt really great about it. Even if like, I mean, certainly there are places where they have like very nice green rooms, but we've played in places where the green room's a basement and and the staff is just so lovely that it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess you can't really, especially because the type of music you make, you there's no space really to worry about the external things other than just really the, you know, the music that you're making. You can't like, you're not going to walk in and be a diva about the space, but obviously you need to be treated. Well, well. like I said, it's, you know, if I, if, if I walk in and I'm already in a grumpy, right. hungry, hangry, <laughs> yes. dehydrated place, yeah, sometimes I won't be you know, completely open. No, of course, <laughs> which is fine. That's totally fine. Do you do you find that like being cooped up for 10 hours straight, that's just something that like you can't ever get used to? Or do you feel like you're okay with that? I don't know if anybody Life loves stuff. that. It's, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think it's funny. I do think of it's, I'm sure it's very different, but mm. being in the van, especially going out towards the West Coast where all the drives are pretty sizable, mm. It does kind of feel like a moving office. Yeah. <laughs> some of the time, you know, so you'll you be just sitting there emailing. There. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just trying to get get to the place. Mm. But it's really not. It, it's so much of what it is. What that that's what touring is. <laughs> it's mm. that travel. And yet, unless you're at the wheel, and even then, it's so funny that it's something that tires you out. But it's certainly not necessarily a very i mean i i don't know what muscles you're really exercising what, except like, like flexing your leg to hit the brake or gas but it's still right. so tiring yeah um i suppose it's the concentration and the right. energy and like that, of the driver certainly yeah. and i do believe in that like i never drive <laughs> tyler always drives oh, really yeah i mean i i i've um it's not that i downright refuse or anything <laughs> yes. but uh tyler is certainly um in hop along Tyler is a hardworking driver as well as. But when you get to yeah, we hired somebody one time Mm. to drive us from. We had to get to Coachella, and we were all you know 
all beat that night because yeah. we had to get from San Francisco to to that area, and it's a long drive, and essentially had to yeah drive through the night to get there in time. And so, to be safe, we hired somebody. Um, both times, the first time the guy, oh God, we we flew both these folks in. The first driver was this guy that uh got about four hours in and then said i don't even know if he made it four hours yeah he didn't he made it for like maybe half the drive yeah and then said i'm gonna rest my eyes and then our tour manager was just like are you crazy like this is the one thing we hired you to do and so then she ended up driving the rest of the way and then we yeah maybe he's not used to that sort of i mean you've got to really have the gut to do something like that but it's crazy there's a certain person who does that like who's the driver well that's supposed to be what that's why we hired him yeah. he was supposed to be one of those persons yeah <laughs> and then the second guy uh was really nice but he was young and he drove very fast and i was incredibly nervous because i didn't know him and i didn't i I'd hadn't really considered how that would feel yeah not having control and also not wanting to overstep just like by human to human, you can't just like say, hey, buddy. Well, you could, I suppose. You could say like slow down. Well, I also just felt like maybe I was just being paranoid. Yeah. Um, I was trying to sleep on one of the benches in the back. Mm. And I just was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he was so nice. I, I, I did feel, you know, bad. No, don't. Uh, I don't know why. I didn't no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you get to a place and you're kind of feeling like a little stuffy, you've been sitting in a van, you've just not had much space or fresh air, and you've got to go straight onto stage. Like, say, if that's happened before, sure. where timing you yeah, know, yeah, just doesn't a... work out. It happens often. Well, that's how it is. I mean, like, that's, you know, you load in and you sound check. Yeah. Is the general, so general thing. when is the space... Because I think, like, especially, I'm just wondering now, like, where's the space then for you to go, okay, I'm getting my shit together, I'm mentally prepping, or do you do that during the performance? My, I mean, in in the case of Hop Along, my my bandmates and crew tend to be very generous towards me. Yeah. Um, Especially on the last couple runs, because, uh, yeah, demands are higher uh, the last the last couple of albums, every album, it's a little more... Yeah, bigger and bigger. Which yeah. is great. I mean, that's a wonderful thing to have these, you know, new opportunities coming along, these radio spots and uh, performances besides the shows themselves, and then interviews that, you know, I take in the van or, or whatever. Oftentimes, uh, we will um, we'll get to the venue and we'll load in and I'll buzz off for a little while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, during setup, there's... As I said, like Tyler does all the teching for me, which is really, really generous of him too. So I'll run and grab a coffee and just like do a quick like walk, and then yeah. come back when it's time for just for sound to check. to yourself, like to yeah, you. just to have a moment to to yeah, because it is very you know it's 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 tough for any band that uh you know you spend morning, noon, and night with one another, and I think everybody at some point needs a moment to breathe oh yeah and uh yeah just have i think even if you don't spend any time with people i think you still need you still like we're we're human especially when you're a creative you know you're giving so much of yourself i've seen you perform it's just you can like the audience can feel everything because you are you know sure i mean i hope so yeah the hope that uh 
people are engaged. I mean, the funny thing, playing a show, uh, of course, it means maybe too much to me at times yes. because I'll yes. I'll certainly compare performances to one another as though the audience would know right uh, one performance compared to another and if i feel like oh, I, I gave more uh in seattle than i did in in vancouver feel or like something that? oh sure i mean it's wow. hard not to yeah it's, it's very hard not to compare your work to anything yeah. previous you've done it's hard not to compare it's God, don't even, especially don't now even talk to, i mean that is age just we live in now oof. And especially with just look what happened. There was like an end of year reflection, including an end of decade end of reflec- reflection. So and it, a lot of people were so triggered by that. Not even just from like things that happened, just by literally their former past selves. You know, like who was I a year ago? Who was I 10 years ago? Sure. And have so, I made the same strides as this other person? Right. Who, uh, especially yeah. in your industry. But I didn't. I don't know. I'm always kind of it's it's it is fascinating still that we do that just on a existential so level. Yeah, I and mean, we we've always I think uh, I was listening to some podcast. I think it was Hidden yeah. Brain or something talking yeah. oh, about envy. There was there was the podcast about envy. Mm. The episode was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, at one point it talks about um how human beings in some ways need comparison. And I'm going to, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to butcher it if I try to explain what they were getting at. Right. But, I mean, we sort of can't help ourselves, but our access to comparison now is certainly uh, to an astounding right. level. Right. That, I mean, I see more and more people taking breaks from social media. Mm-hmm. And, well, because uh, it's also the access is edited, right? You don't know what sort of access is real or what isn't. When you're looking at somebody's feed, unless you have access to that person on a personal level, you don't know if that pe- what that person's going through because they might be showing a different front. They might be promoting work that isn't, you know. But even on a personal yeah, level, I right. mean, people are people are wild <laughs> people are wild myself included you really don't I know and there's so much i mean yeah Me it's too. so i laugh because i care you know it's <laughs> true yeah oh i mean i think we're all in this yeah i, I think we're all dealing with this but and especially so... as a creative and when you're making the type of music that you make i think that that's an interesting segue into the music and uh the writing that you do because you're not putting up any sort of pseudo veil it is well at least you're you're giving at least access into your life right in I mean, a way i'm i'm not i don't think i'm lying yeah. i guess is what i will say but i i do i do think there are boundaries that boundaries yes. exist That's but a i mean good it, word. it does I like that word um thanks yeah it's so, <laughs> it's but it's something i've been thinking more and more yes, about especially with what we were saying and comparison like uh, there's got to be personal boundaries but i try to be open i do sure. try to be open i'll say that sure what sort of boundaries do you need with your writing like where do you go and where do you not go well i think i try to be if i'm writing about particular events i do try to add some somewhat of a veil especially if i'm if it's something that you know involves some struggle. I mean, like I try not to, I try not to certainly like involving other people without really, you know, giving them any room, you know? I mean, I do tell other people's stories. Certainly in the case of, I mean, I, I'm i thinking of artists that I 
referenced directly mm-hmm. and spoke of pretty directly, I now wonder if perhaps I should have had some more distance. I mean, I, you know, it is cool. Part of my goal there was to get people to listen to these other mm-hmm. artists. Although the one you can't, there's no recordings right. of, uh, of his work. But it was more of out of appreciation than it was out of trying to, you know, blow anybody's mm-hmm. life up. I mean, these these people have passed on. So. Yeah. I don't know. I want there to be room for other interpretations, too. Including your own, I suppose. I really like that. I think that that's... I don't know. I, I identify with that. Maybe from, like, a, I'm projecting. But I think that having that space and that boundary up is really helpful, especially when that song goes on to live many lives or that entire album like this you know like likewise and even when i think i'm being direct it'll still get interpreted in a different way so (laughs) right i think you have no control yeah no you really don't and you have to (laughs) embrace that you really have to embrace that you don't have control over how people hear and you shouldn't i mean i don't think i i I mean there's plenty of albums that i maybe i'm I'm putting air quotes wrongly interpret i mean but only in the sense of I mean, you think about when an album gets finished, the person who made it is probably different from how they were when they started it to begin with. Yeah. So it's such a funny thing to, I mean, I have records that I relate to very strongly, but whatever the creator I'm imagining is, that yeah. person is in the past. Right. And uh, I like that. Somewhere else. <laughs> right. And you, do you feel that way about your own music as well? Like looking at the Hopalong catalog? Sure, yeah, those different times. Totally different times. I still enjoy playing those songs. Sure. They mean, they certainly still have meaning for me, but the meaning is different than, yeah, where they started. I really love it. I think that's great. Like there's also, I I like that notion that if you're looking at artists that you first fall in love with, like when you're listening to music when you're young, in your formative years, and you attach so much meaning because your brain is like bubbling and growing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you attach this meaning, but it could be probably and it it is probably wrong you know like look at fiona apple and like i was listening to fiona when i was really young and looking back now i'm like 34 now looking back i'm like i don't know if i really understood well i'm just using her as an example but but i don't know if i really understood at that time but i don't know if i well you'll never understand her but you can understand i think (laughs) that's the issue (laughs) <laughs> she is amazing. Yeah. Um, I I think that's the mistake that a lot of us make in that. I mean, and I've had this. I mean, I've gone right. to see artists and wanted so badly, like, to meet them. Okay. Um, because there is that. It's so frustrating, especially when you're very young. I mean, I remember this feeling of feeling like understood in this new way for the first time by an album. Mm-hmm. And then coming to the understanding that it's one-sided. Mm-hmm. It has to be. I mean, that person didn't know you. No, doesn't didn't write it you. for you. <laughs> uh, you know, didn't know me. I mean, I remember being very sad about all the performers I would never meet. Like who? who uh, I woke my mother up crying one time <laughs> because I would never meet Michael Jackson. That was one. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan Me when I was too. a kid. It's unfortunate now. It is. Uh, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, seeing the video of him talking about, uh, yeah, what at the time he referred to as accusations and mm-hmm. just being in tears that, uh, I mean, because that was also around the time that Pee Wee Herman was being... <laughs> That was a very different situation, right, right. completely different situation, I'll say that. 
but yeah, I didn't, didn't not knowing what to do with that kind of yeah, just feeling let down and right. It was also but those artists were so unattainable. We were kind of talking about that in the in the lift in the elevator up here, like. There's that, uh, there's, for people listening, there's a YouTube convention in the hotel that we were at. And basically, the, the influencers. access, influencers, and the access to people back then, like I, where I grew up in South Africa, for me, like Michael Jackson wow. came to so that Cape Town where I grew up. Wow. And that was the first show I actually ever saw. Wow. Because he put a huge statue of himself like in the middle of Cape Town. This was like early nineties. I was I don't know how old I was, maybe like eight or ten. So dangerous was yeah, yeah. Uh, we're the same age. Yeah. yeah. I I would listen to the dangerous. Are you eighty five eighty five? Eighty six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh amazing. I'm eighty six years old. No. Um <laughs> yeah. I'm eighty six years old. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, you know what I mean? And that kind of access to those artists, it just wasn't like you created the image of who that artist was. You didn't, you know, you created it from watching. And so intensely. Yeah. So intensely. And I, I mean, I you know. miss it. Well, I will say the more I think about it, you know, so many of my heroes, I mean, Bill Cosby, I loved mm. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Um, I mean, Louis C.K. I, yeah. I loved all of those artists and those were, you know, those were major letdowns. But I think there is, we are coming to a point where I'm wondering if, and I don't know if humans, I mean, we've done this for centuries, you know, we, we love having heroes. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, initially heroes were in myths. And religion. Yeah. Religion and myths. So, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, the we'll, Messiah. We'll put those all together, I mean, you would say. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to make them real people. I mean, of course, I'm not that's not to say that what those men did wasn't like beyond normal crappiness. I mean, monstrous activity. Uh especially Cosby. Yeah. You know, and Michael Jackson. Cuz what I was going to say earlier, yeah. I want to make sure I word this. You know, I don't want to be thoughtless because this is, I mean, I want to, you know, I I just don't want to d- sound dismissive because you were saying like having the wrong interpretation of Fiona Apple. I don't think that a young person's interpretation is wrong at all. It's yours. It's your interpretation. Right. How can it be wrong? Like you're not wrong to have your feelings. I mean that those are those are real. They're not. It's not false. Yeah. I, I would. I, I think. Uh, I think it's the connecting what you feel for the music to the person who made it. It's it's separate. Those are separate things. But we want generally so badly to connect to one another. I mean, you know, that, that's a human being that made that work. And uh, to feel that kind of understanding that you maybe haven't had in your life before from, you know, your peers or your family or to feel reached in such an intimate, personal way. Yeah, it's, it's vulnerable, and you and and I think it's natural for people to want to make that connection back. But it's also important to understand that, I mean, that's what I think should be thought of or considered. And when when we talk about separating the work from the artist, and that's not to give anybody a pass. It's not. I think people tend to interpret that as having the intention of yeah, giving someone a pass, like saying like oh, you know, their work, it, like right. saying that their work is so great that they right. should be not held accountable and that is not at all what I'm saying I'm saying that people uh, should be allowed to enjoy work for themselves and not I mean the trouble is with like living people uh, yeah 
you're giving money to somebody. Pause the right podcast. But do you mean it is time to step away just momentarily from the conversation with Francis and ever so briefly? I feel like we're going to share a little something, Engineer Adam and I like to call. I think that the way that that is worded, live show of the week. People that often say it. How do we get time that perfectly? We oh, just do oh, every week. It's that your eyeballs yeah. is, uh, bulged out of your skull. It's the waggling eyebrows, I think. Hey, for a second. Like per- right. What's up? Okay. Each and every week we highlight one of the way. most heart-thumping the events that we could find out there. And out, we want to share it with you, our pod people, so you can whatever, all go to the best shows in the world. Go. So you can go because we can't. We're sending you out there. Like our little pod people on army. Army. Why did I pronounce army, army like army? Army, <laughs> it's like that amazing Chicago band, Om. Oh yeah, Om. Army. So this week we are putting the spotlight on what will surely be a brilliant performance from the indie rock supergroup, the New Pornographers. The New Pornos at the Roseland Theatre in Portland, Oregon, on Friday, January thirty-first. Last year's in the Morse code of brake lights. Brimmed with love lawn energy that only Carl Newman, Nico Case, and the gang can bring. And I'm sure this show is going to be no different. I've seen them. They're incredible live. You just Why gotta they hope they bust live? out the gems from the past as well as the new stuff. They're gotta do it. They just gotta. <laughs> Why are they great live? The interplay between the multiple I mean, voices the is just brilliant. They all are such incredible, talented musicians. I'm kind of sad we're not there, Portlanders. Portlanders? Portlandiers. Portlandiers. What's the... <laughs> is that uh, the show? Kyle MacLachlan, the mayor of Portland. There you go. Go to it. There you go. And if you want to get in on the excitement of that show or any other event out there in the world, you can head over to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub and find the best selection of tickets to all of the hottest shows. One more time, that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. And while we're talking about important things to do yes, while you're on the internet... very important things. You absolutely need to go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast right this very moment, and subscribe. Spotify. Go to Spotify. Perfect. Follow the show. Rate. Review. Share it. Make it five stars. Go out there and do it. And the only reason why we're begging you to do it is because we deserve it. No. The only reason <laughs> why we're begging you to do it is because... The only way that people can find us is if we jump into this weird, strained ro- robot algorithm. Yeah. And it is, it's like, basically, if you have two boxes mm-hmm. and the one on the left is full of chickpeas okay, and the I'm one the right is not is full of nothing. It's full of nothing. N- full of nothing. You uh-huh. see how positive I am oh, about yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just put one chickpea into the empty... The half the if you put white <laughs> chickpea into the empty Tupperware, Wait, then is it a box chickpea, or a Tupperware? Is it what chickpea is it or box? garbanzo? I don't know. <laughs> Brian, um, what <laughs> are you? Aquafaba. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're was, just saying that because I made nice cookies. Okay, that was a mind meld That's that we true. just had there, listener. So you have you take the chickpea, right, <laughs> and you put it. Into the empty box, uh-huh. more chickpeas will follow. No, 
The this reason, is, no, 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 no. the reason perfect. why no. the chickpea there box no on the left, metaphor. yes, the reason why the chickpea box on the left is uh -huh. so full is because all of the other chickpeas know about yeah, it. It's because everybody passing by was like, "Oh, that's the oh, box where chickpeas go." Exactly, so that's where everyone's hanging out. So basically, it's the same concept applies for same. reviews. It's the same. And rating is exactly. that once there are more reviews than the half full box of chickpeas. Mm -hmm. Where all the chickpeas are hanging, like, other chickpeas, chickpeas can go here too. Basically, we're saying my chickpeas bring all the rates to the yard. Yes, <laughs> keep I was going. Say yard, <laughs> but I don't have a yard. Uh, I live in Chicago. People in Chicago have get a some yard. Yards. Yeah. <laughs> the lesson we're here to tell you is, is run a lap around my chickpea yard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, <laughs> this is silly, but it kind of makes sense. Does it make sense to you? Absolutely, it, it really does. makes sense to me. Yeah. But let us return to this week's interview with the wonderful Francis. Enjoy. Finding out. That like me slaving over something, like painting over the CD, you know, folder and like opening it up and looking at the lyrics where my young mind didn't even know half of those words. I was still figuring out what I was feeling about love, about life, about my family, about my friends. And so obviously music for me in that time, I suppose, if you can say, was a way of figuring out who i was right but it's that's like massively a, important sure yeah but also and some vital. of the shit that she was singing about at the time uh, looking back now in hindsight not to say that the past isn't irrelevant because i do love past leo but to say like some of the shit she's talking about is stuff that i didn't even understand you know sure. being being uh, you know um abused or feeling you know hurt or pain in relationships like i you know didn't know that that was what i just attached it to something else which i think is the interesting thing that you know young brains do and people in general you attach something to the comfiness you know of whatever you create but that's so, the beauty of, right. of art absolutely yeah. i mean I, you know look at how many kids absolutely adored keith herring right. and he was making <laughs> right. work about aids i know about you know the, yeah Oh, yeah. attitudes towards homosexuality sure. and and uh and he was embraced by all ages and i think those kids enjoyment of the you know of the activity and and motion and color is is just as i, I hear what you're saying that your um your interpretation of that album has matured sure certainly but but i just think it's amazing the way that uh Art can reach I know over generations That's and be exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I hope young kids can enjoy my work too. Yeah. In the same way that you enjoyed Fiona Apple's. That's amazing. Well, if I, think, I could be there. Well, you're so similar yeah. in a way. In a, you know, if you just read your lyric, I read your lyric sheet and I was just the wordplay and how you phrase things as well. Like I love your phrasing. It's Thank just you. and it makes and also your diff, of course your different tones and pitch. And how you tend to emphasize words that might not be emphasized in normal conversation or even in songs. It's so unique in that way. Like uh, Arnie DeFranco, same oh, Fiona I used to Apple. Love her. I love her. I used to love it. She makes me cry, even like even talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And the reason why I'm saying this is because 
to get to that point, I suppose what I'm wondering is how do you, when you're sitting down to write, how do you figure out that the taking your feelings, how do you translate that in that way? Is that, is, is it intentional? Um, do you work at each phrasing, each word, or do you feel like it's completely natural for you? Does that make sense? I don't sure, know if that no, question that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> I think initially, I mean, a, a lot of, it's very, the editing process is long. Yeah. Let's put it that I way. I can imagine. <laughs> the editing process in general is always, yeah, pretty, I, I take a long time as a writer. Okay. I and mean, that's also part of why, there, you know, an amount of time passes between <laughs> between hop along records for sure. I, I just, I, it takes me a long time to to bring something to the band and then we all work it out together. I mean, even with the solo record, that happened faster in some yeah. respects than than some. But there's there's a couple songs that I had started writing in 2013. See which songs? Well, actually, it's it's a little complicated. Went to okay. LA in a secret. Okay, both were um, the oldest songs on Likewise. I They're actually went to LA. Oh. oh, thank you. Well, I started that. Yeah, I believe it was 2013 that I started working on that song. It certainly is different from that point but the melody started there uh but th- both of those songs were actually recorded for the bark your head off record that hop along album i can um, picture them on that yeah yeah i i did too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it made it way too long it would have had it would have been a double lp and then just those are quite expensive and right it just i had been thinking about doing some kind of solo venture because hop along is the only project i've ever been in so i thought it might be cool to try something else uh, the funny thing though is those two songs were even older than the songs written for the rest of Bark Your Head Off. Wow. So yeah, they go back. Uh, yeah, the process. I mean, certainly they fit s- so well in this context. Oh, that's well, yeah. I mean, that's you. the one with um, the hop with Mary. Yeah, Mary's, Mary's on a few on, songs. Yeah, but yeah, she's on that one. For, she's amazing. And I then you have work. that beautiful Yelp like uh, I don't know the background vocals. That yeah, that's that uh, comes in. On at the end and went for went in LA oh the screaming yeah, screaming oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like do you like ah! to scream here and there <laughs> no but it was perfect mm-hmm. because it wasn't uh, abra- it wasn't abrasive it felt completely necessary does that Thank make sense you. no that's, yeah. that's a, a wonderful compliment that's why I was, to... <laughs> I'm so shocked that you wrote it so long ago well I started it oh started a long it time ago. right I finished it I mean by 20 20- 17 okay it was finished, and then when it was recorded and like both of those both those songs stayed pretty true to their yes original. that and a secret as well yeah both those two that one also felt that one's kind of in the middle of the album i don't have the track list but from what i remember i think it's in the middle a secret is, yeah yeah kind of did you feel was that like a sequencing yeah i mean consideration? I yeah i i spent my, my cousin actually helped me sequence as well i mean there were yeah. a few people that had their hands in the sequencing <laughs> yeah because i mean it's a uh, it's very important. I, I mean, first of all, I, I certainly the goal is that someone would listen to the album from start to finish and not skip around. I like the idea of that it can just play. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite albums, I I don't want to skip around. Yeah, you just want to hear it. Yeah. It's like a film. Like what 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 albums? I mean, one of the first ones. I mean, uh, Bob Dylan's Highway sixty one yeah. for a long time, and uh, for the most part, I would say Joni Mitchell's Blue. Album, you know, Blue is a oh God. phenomenal Paddle. album. Yeah. Uh, Airplane Over the Sea, of course. Nutramuck Hotel. Uh, who else? I mean, there's a few. There's a, there's a bunch, yeah. But I think Do you the... want to do some East? Oh, my God. Beginning to end, all <laughs> the way for me. That that absolutely is like a play. 
she she is a she is a complete uh yeah she's a magical being oh, I she blew really, my freaking yeah. mind when i first my friend molly um who lives out here in Chicago, actually? Yes. But she, she, I, she was one of my roommates, uh, freshman year of college. Um, very inspiring. She gave me like a bunch of, yeah. She opened the door to lots of artists, especially with who you've and named Joanna now. One. Yeah, Joanna Newsom has uh, this command of the everything. It's there's, oh. it's, it's, there's control. But there's enough space. That imagery, <laughs> her imagery. I mean, especially East. I just, it's a perfect record. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I really want to go home and listen to it now. But so talking about things that obviously have affected you, because we'll go back to the album in a moment. But what was the first show that you ever saw? The first concert? Do you remember? I, I think the first concert I ever saw was a show that my brother took me to. Okay. Mark, you know, I was two years older than me, so he, he oh, could drive. Yes. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He I w- took me to see, oh, man, I always mess this up. I want to say it was The Slackers. Okay. <laughs> it was a punk show. Okay. Yeah. Was he into punk? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was more, he was more, we both were into ska. I mean, I would pick up stuff that he was putting down, essentially. Yeah. Like he would, he was listening, he was really into Marilyn Manson and he put that down. I picked it up and then he was really into like Cash 22. Um, that was like my favorite ska band in uh, junior high. Never got to see them, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, who else? I mean, there's a whole list. Uh, but it, I but love he, that. I didn't really get into hardcore. Hardcore yeah. was more his, his thing. Oh, his thing. Yeah. So he took you to the show. Do you remember how, how young you were? I must or have how like, old you were. I wasn't super – oh, you know what? I mean, actually, that's not right. My first show – You fact-checking yourself. <laughs> I'm remembering now. No, I remember my first show because neither of us drove. We were both too young. Okay. We both were driven. I, ha- I had a big crush on his friend, and this is basically why I went. I was not that interested in any of the right. bands playing, to be honest. But I liked his friend. <laughs> I was I was 12 or 13, and they were, yeah, 14 or 15. And we went to see – I want to get all these bands. I'm trying to remember. It was Static X, mm-hmm. Morbid Angel, oh, wow. Slayer, and Pantera. <laughs> Whoa. I think what Slayer was the best. <laughs> yeah. Slayer is great love. Pantera was not my thing. None of them were really my thing. <laughs> but do you remember how you felt watching that show? I was trying to get – you know, You're just trying to <laughs> – Make eyes with my brother's friend. But was there a show when you were younger that made you feel like at least give you some sort of hint to go, I feel like I can see myself there or I want to, I, I want to do that. I want to be that kind of performer. Was there a show like that or an artist? Well, certainly albums. I mean, I, I was, you know, thir- I was already, I, I wanted to be a singer when I was little. You did? Mm-hmm. When I was little, Yeah. I wanted to be a, a painter and a singer. I was really into – so funny. I had a Celine Dion CD. Oh, which Celine, one? Um, so <laughs> whichever one has uh, – it's all coming back to me and all by myself. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was it like gold or brown? I just remember I feel the like cover. it was all black, black and she was wearing like – maybe it was gold. She's I probably like, still have it like in my old – Just her in like a either dark or gold room. I can't – I think it's – I think it was black, black yeah. and white. Um. Anyway – I wanted to be, I guess, a diva, I, I imagine. I mean, I used to audition when I was little. I used to audition for, like, these 
diva parts and you know I wasn't suited for them I was not a diva <laughs> but I wanted to be one so bad I yeah I was in a Tina Turner I had one of her tapes I had Mariah Carey uh Daydream absolutely phenomenal album um <laughs> Velvet Rope by Janet Jackson yeah I mean I wanted to yeah I wanted to be a diva and I didn't really see any actual performances mm. of that but I, I also went to Woodstock 99. Oh, you did? Wow. Dad. Yeah, my dad took my brother and I to Woodstock okay. 99. And I remember, um, I mean, some of the things I, I could only catch from like a distance. But I certainly, I mean, I, I, I crowd surfed for the first time. How and, was that? Uh, How old were you? Wait, 99. I was 13. Oh, my God. And I was grabbed very inappropriately uh, a couple of times, unfortunately, which is yeah. why my dad would not let me. I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. But did you yeah. crowd surf like jump from the stage or do they pick you up in the crowd? You just like made the, you know, up up motion yes. to somebody and they, they, and they, they picked you up. I mean, it. I saw someone else do it and, and I, yeah. No fear. I, th- I, want, oh I think God. I crowd surfed to Rusted Root. <laughs> <laughs> um, goodness. I feel and, like and you would have scared me if we like met when we were younger because that is, that's brave to do that. <laughs> that's really brave. It's certainly brave to say it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so badass. You uh, like, I crawled to me when I was 13. I was all, I, God, <laughs> so, such a crazy event. That was so bizarre. Yeah, it was more bizarre than anything. I mean, I certainly enjoyed it. I had a great time, but, uh, <laughs> dad was just, probably it was mortified. sweltering hot. I mean, and they were charging like, I mean, that's why people rioted. The, the, I mean, you know, everyone knows that now, but they were blamed. I remember being really – I wasn't even a Limp Bizkit fan, but I was like, leave Limp Bizkit alone. Like, well, it's not their fault that people got so upset or, like, Rage Against the Machine. Get out of here. Like, I loved Rage Against the Machine, but I they were so – I was so far away. I think we even, like, had to leave while they were playing because yeah. it was kind of late. They were after – I don't know. Did they play and then Bush played? It was crazy. Yeah. Have you ever seen a young person in your crowd and felt like I relate to that little girl or something? Like just thinking now, because I'm thinking like how amazing it would be as a performer to be standing on stage and then seeing a young person. Oh, it's it's an amazing. It's an honor. What that feeling is. Yeah. That that uh that I could possibly. Uh, affect a young person positively the way that music affected me right it, that's an incredible incredible i love when parents bring their kids yeah and vice versa when when kids drag their parents and yeah they, you know, <laughs> and parents drag their kids it's right great. i love that oh that's wonderful so going back to the album the there's some field recordings talking about kids it sounds like it's in like a gym there's like squeaking trainers yeah yeah and is that so is that in a gym where yeah, that was in a you... community center okay which was actually on like the not the first floor but i i mean i guess you could call it it's not it wasn't the basement but it was okay. under the first floor where like it was next to the hotels because it was like in kentucky somewhere it was next to the fitness center was this big communal gym and there were just yeah all these kids like i Clearly a number of different either games or just – it was just chaos of, you know, parents yelling to their or other people's mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> I couldn't tell if there, there were – it, it seemed like somebody. a real free-for-all. I mean, it, just, it, was, it was great. <laughs> Tommy. There Definitely must be a kid named Tommy. I don't know. There's oh, yeah. Was, <laughs> does someone t- say Tommy? I don't know. But so what made you do – I mean, I get it in the context of – the song i suppose uh, but what made you decide to do that uh, to record it i mean just sometimes i come across a moment that uh you know where it's i mean one of my favorite 
I will say it's a, a little bit of a homage to, I mean, there's plenty of field recordings of kids playing. But uh, I remember hearing, like, If You're Feeling Sinister by Bell and Sebastian. There's kids yeah. on the playground. Yeah. I was certainly, I mean, like, I love how that, how affect it, mm. affecting that was. How did it to feel me. to join it with the concept of the song? So why did you use it for that song? Why it was just, it? It did occurred it to me that I had it. That way? Oh right, it was okay. never intended. It was way. Oh right, that was recorded on the "Bark Your Head Off" tour. Yeah, I just was outside of the gym, just from a distance, and you just recorded could record. it. Record, yeah. What, like so. with your phone? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so clear. It was a good phone. <laughs> yeah. It's an Android. It's dead now. Yeah. So, and obviously talking about that song, why was it so important to start the album like that? Because this is a really beautiful moment for you having a solo record out after being part of, you know, one band. Um, it still completely sounds like you, of course. It's a nice extension of you. So why was it important to start with that song? And were you even pained over the first song yeah yeah oh yeah it's hard i mean i always have i certainly spend a lot of time like possibly overthinking yeah because the funny thing is so many albums that are pivotal to me you find out later that it was maybe was made in such an offhand way um i mean for example one of bell and sebastian's albums they recorded it in a a weekend i I think maybe it was tiger milk or something and i couldn't it breaks my heart it's amazing it's i mean it's incredible just and then but then you think like oh right you know once something's done people will accept whatever the form is i think right i i mean maybe lots of our favorite albums could have been made in an even more magnificent fashion but they're so like i wouldn't touch a thing about uh especially some i mean when i when i heard a lot of like these great lo-fi records for the first time it blew my mind that you could do that that you could make a record at home and the character that has and certainly it could have sounded nicer in a studio but i you know it feels so perfect as is right there's like a real intimacy to that as well yeah presence i think in a way and it really i don't know sets you in a place but uh, that that song initially, I think, was going to be at the end of the record, actually. Okay. I was thinking of it as a closer. And um, it might have been Ryan that proposed putting it first, mm. Ryan Schwab, who mastered it. And my cousin, I know, also helped with the se- – like, she worked – you know, I, I like to send albums to her. Oh, She helps do? me with the sequencing, yeah. Okay. She's just got a really good, good mind for that. And maybe she – I don't want to miscredit who it was, but mm. both she and Ryan helped me sequence that how long did the whole process take of writing and recording well writing it's hard to say again because two of the songs are so old i mean they're they are they do stand on their own a couple some songs came very quickly i mean the first song piltdown man came very quickly i wrote that december january um lean uh october before i mean like you know it's none of this is relevant now because it was recorded right. so it was recorded in uh, february of 2019 mm-hmm. most of it except joe and i um i mean those two songs were recorded during the barker head off session mm-hmm. and then i you know once we knew that they were going to be separate and solo pieces i initially was going to you know have it try to make an EP because I really right. wanted those two songs to come out. It was killing me that, yeah, that, they, I, were... <laughs> that they were already so old to me. Um, it's so funny how things that are so dire in the t- at the time mm. 
later it's just like it really didn't <laughs> matter you when they came out i mean <laughs> it's crazy when you hear about well, you people like about neil it. young putting out songs that he wrote in the 70s i love hearing stories like that because he's got a vault you know he has just a vault of songs like yeah. i can feel it crazy yeah. um and to have that kind of uh restraint i can't imagine everything that i think is good i want to you want put it out. out like now immediately because it takes so long to well i'm not as i'm i would not call myself prolific <laughs> let's say pause the podcast pause the podcast are you looking at a calendar full of great events but struggling to find tickets stubhub's gotcha Whatever your favorite band, team, or venue, StubHub is here to save the day with the best tickets for any budget. Whether you're looking for a seat at a Broadway show, tickets to the summer's big arena tour, or a night of cheering on your hometown team, StubHub has the seats you're looking for at the price you want to pay. Head to cosradio.lv StubHub or their user-friendly app to find tickets that are 100% guaranteed by FanProtect. StubHub's never sold out with the most shows, the most tickets, and the most fans. So head on over to cosradio.lv slash StubHub or the StubHub app. The best tickets to the best experiences in music, sports, and theater. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. Because basically Joe and I would get together very piecemeal. You know, we would grab three days here or four days there in the in the year of 2018 because we were obviously busy with hop along mm-hmm. and then the headroom joe's studio uh, gets busy quickly mm-hmm. and also i had to write songs so, yeah. so i couldn't really i only had a couple songs ready when we went in the first time in march of 2018 so we recorded carry the zero mm-hmm. and now that i'm back mm-hmm. and then that summer, I, I I wrote another song. Like it was in July, I wrote Detroit Lake, um, and so we recorded it, you know, as soon as I yeah. finished writing it, basically, and, and gave that two days. I mean, and then, of course, we worked on that more in February of 2019. It's very scattered, it's but I quite like that in a way because it definitely feels like there's a journey on the album. Like it doesn't feel like it was all just in one time. And again, I don't know. Never mind is that. with me. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you feel like you have to get songs out? Uh, you know, like what does it what does it do to you that when they're not out? Well, there's just an urgency when you're done with something. I mean, you and you feel uh, you don't feel that way when you finish something. Like you want it to be me. You, oh God, yeah, because yeah. when it's when it's done, I mean, and it just sits there. I mean, it's you're changing. Awful. What if you don't like it anymore? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you worked so hard. Uh, yeah, I think that I feel like that's common. Anytime you're done with something, you want to share it. I also think maybe, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but also a creative's job is to get to that end point, right? You're working towards an end goal to to release something, not yeah, just share. a musician, but an artist as well. Um, and to f- have this final product to then move on to the next thing or even just take it and then revisit it later. Um, but there is a part of it that's also, again, like I said, a free space so that you can you know start new things which again is the obsession well it's also the difficulty know. with um letting something be finished that's right. the other thing it's like you want <laughs> right, i kind of want someone point. to rip it out of my hands yeah. and say, that's it <laughs> that's done. what happened with painted shut yeah painted shut we we finished mixing we were about to master and i remember just thinking oh man can we just book a couple yeah a nights <laughs> and maybe i'll just fix 
what I did. And and eventually I just I just was like, let's put this to bed. Yeah. It's already it already feels like a different But that's good that you knew anyway. to to walk away as well. Oh yeah. Because that's it's also painful. really hard. Yeah. It's hard to, you know, uh I mean we we were finishing recording that and I, I had a hard time. I mean every every record I have a hard time. It's so <laughs> But in a good way, right? Well, you know, it's just my, uh, again, air quotes, process. It's just, uh, you know, I remember John Agnello came up to me towards the end and he he, like um, took my shoulders in his hands. He's like, we were standing by the window. He's like, I really hope you have fun doing this. (laughs) And it was a very big moment. I was just like, I I mean, I do have a lot of fun writing. I have a lot of fun touring. But the the making something final is... uh, a struggle and i appreciate you saying that as well because i think that there is this flippancy sometimes toward art especially in the new age with things needing to be out and instant you know not flippancy but there's not like to consider something whether you're going through it you're still considering it you know so well, i think I mean, that's a really nice trait. it's a good thing and a bad thing because right. the, the other thing too is like you really have a hard time seeing the bigger picture yeah. at times you get so i get so concerned about it's hard to remember that you're the only you know it's it's a kind of a lonely thing when you think about you're doing something that no one's gonna know the experience of you know it's so funny you're making this thing you're gonna share but you can't share the experience of making it no that's that's yours Mm -hmm. even with your bandmates who all have different uh experiences making their work i mean it's funny, I have a completely different attitude towards recording guitar than I do my vocal. Really? My vocal is just like, oh man, it's just such a that's a that's a piece of work to to work that out and record. And I and bless all the folks that have sat with me as I went through take after take. I won't say how many. But is it a perfectionism that comes into play or was it really just because Absolutely. You- Certainly. And you know, because it's the most personal thing I can a guitar is a is its own thing. Right. That I mean, you it's can not wield. you. I don't, I don't yes. associate my guitar playing with like who I am. Okay. The way okay. that I do my vocal. Yeah. Uh, guitar is just one of the vehicles. I mean, I want to do a good job. Yeah. Of course. It's not that I'm like, it's not like I'll do two takes and like, that's good. I'm done. <laughs> I, I will if the other person doesn't say do that again. <laughs> that right. Was a little bit pitchy. Yeah. Um, but no, vocal, I am, I am concerned in a very, I would say singular way I, I have yet to meet a person that's like yeah do that another yeah do that more times than y- you already plan to no one no one's said that as of yet <laughs> i mean thank thankfully but it's also i can imagine it, it might not be a criticism it might just be because they've heard something that you might not have oh know? no no i mean i guess i'm sorry i worded that badly yeah generally i want to do more takes than okay anyone else okay does. <laughs> yeah generally the other person oftentimes is like you, do you, do you, you don't I need think to we do got it <laughs> I think it's there, you know. But there's confidence, right? Like you believe in yourself and your ability or is Ultimately, it... Ultimately. Okay. I, I, I believe in my capacity. I think that's a weird question. Yeah. No, no, it's not weird. I, I, I believe in my capacity, but the other, the flip side to that is, of course, you do something you think, I could do that better. I could do it better. I could do it. And, and you just don't. It's hard to step back and say it really doesn't matter. I mean, in five years, I'll be... I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, whatever... You know, when you record a song, from then on, that's the youngest version of that work okay, that exists. Right. Yes. And of course, you go on tour and you get. Back. I mean, there have been so many times where 
we've gone on tour and, and I've we've played some song and I've thought like, oh, that's how I should have sung it. <laughs> I mean, certainly a song like Tibetan Pop Stars, mm. which is, you know, oh, we yeah. started recording that in 2010, I believe. Uh, something like that. I mean, I that's the youngest version that exists as far as I know. I mean, there's there's a version like where we play at some show. I it like that. Yeah. We play some show in New Brunswick and I have like blonde hair. And <laughs> maybe that's the youngest existence yes. of that song, but... But I mean, even hearing like your little, like, I don't know if I can call them yelps. I don't know if that's rude, but like no, on a... your reply uh, on that track, it's like Springsteen-y almost that song. I don't oh, know cool. why it reminds me of Springsteen. I'll take it. I was and... kind of going for like Van Morrison, but yeah. like, people thought he was copying Van Morrison for a second. So <laughs> I feel like true. that's close. <laughs> that's close enough. I love to be associated with anybody. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get to that point of making sure that when you're considering, like we're talking about your vocals... And when you're really painting over your vocals to make sure they're perfect for you, how do you then not do that with your words? Or do, are you doing that as well with your writing, with the lyrics as well? Well, like overstating? Mm. I, I I think, uh, I mean, I would say most of my favorite authors are understaters. Who are your favorite authors? I was thinking that with that line, actually. Currently, I mean, I, I loved the... I mean, I, I was a while ago, but I loved the My Brilliant Friend books. Mm. This The whole series is phenomenal. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Knoskar. 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 Uh, he wrote, yeah, he's Norwegian. Knoskar. He wrote yes. the, yeah, the, man, <laughs> can't take those books on, on trips. <laughs> Throw yourself out, yourself out of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but they're fantastic. I love his writing. Um, who else have I been reading? Uh, I just got into Virginia Woolf. Mm. Oh, and? Oh, man. Yeah, she's incredible. I, I would highly recommend To the Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And Orlando was great as well. I mean, those are the only two I've read, but I really Yeah, To the both. Lighthouse. There is something um, incredibly dark about her writing, which I really but love. Quiet. But in the best way. In the <laughs> yeah. quietest. Like, she's yes. so good at depicting, like, domestic life. Even though, I mean, certainly, I mean, the, you know, there's very, very dated qualities to any former. But you, really you that. also, on even talking about rare thing, the first thing I noted was how brilliant you observe things, and you talk about them. Like you've got this ob- observational skill. Like you're talking about plants. Like it, it is a rare thing where mm-hmm. you, yeah, talking about like ruining plants or something. Or <laughs> I'm not great with plants. They're not I mean, doing so is? hot right now. Oh shit! No, who's taking care of them? Uh, well, my my, my boyfriend went up by today to, okay. to water them for to me. Say hello. Yeah, and well, I he mean, said we the all two do. were. I knew that two of them would be pretty rough because I haven't been there in a week. So, where are you based now? Where do you live? I've been living in Philly for okay. this is my eleventh year. Oh my god, living in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's cool. It's that, a cool place. Yeah, is it easy for you to? you know leave from there to tour and things like that it's a good hub and it's not like new york you have to worry about rent and i mean rent you know I, rent is is what it is but yeah. I, I i am lucky that i can you know uh i have a studio where i live and in, in, okay. in, the, in the building oh, and that's right. really nice that rent cover i mean i certainly could not afford i could not afford new york or or la or i mean i guess la has some corners that are still affordable no, Philly, I mean, you know, knock on wood, it's certainly... There's <laughs> it's a big building, brown desk, yeah. yeah. <laughs> building tons of condos and 
Yes. But I, I'm lucky that I live on a block with a lot of, I mean, one of the women on my block grew up on that block. Oh, I quite like that. that oh, it's she's great. still there. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, one of the other women on my block was in American Bandstand right before they moved to, because it was based in Philly, which I didn't yes. realize. Yeah. And then moved to that. Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I like Very that. Cool. I also have a lady named Joyce who invited me to her book club. She lives a road That's away from lovely. me. That's lovely. I know. She always sits on her, on her uh, what is a stoop? That's in Afrikaans. Um, like a, the outside Porcher. porch. Sure. Yes, yes. She always sits there and um, w- no matter what the weather is. And she just sits there inviting people into her that's so nice. <laughs> it is very nice. But then, but what you were saying about how she lives, how, you know, somebody lives has lived there for, you know, for a long time. It makes a, a little neighborhood feel, you know, not taken over by corporations. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. And also, I mean, this is the first time that I've lived in a neighborhood where I, I actually know my neighbors. Yes. And uh, we competed in this, like, block contest, which I, I mean... I helped paint some stuff and what, helped what a little competition? bit. But, oh, just for like prettiest block. One of my oh. our block captain is like incredible. She would be out sweeping constantly. She's a yeah, she's a force. <laughs> Marvelous. She's the one that was in American Bandstand. Wait, so you painted I helped paint the, okay. the railings outside. Oh. <laughs> and I painted my my grate. But you know, I, I was I've been a thoughtless neighbor just in that, you yes. know, you you go into your house and keep to yourself. So I did want to ask you about the cover that you have on the album as well, the Built to Spill. Oh sure, cover. Why? I what? love Built to Spill. I mean, it's so fucking great, and, and so that song good is live. so much fun to play. I can imagine it's fun to hear. It's oh, fun to good. hear your cover. Why did you decide to do a cover in lieu of all the songs that felt quite personal? Although I'm sure that cover felt personal to you as well. It just felt as good to play as one of my own like it's not it's not filler i i really love that song and uh (laughs) i knew you know joe and i both knew that we didn't want it to be like a a, just a guitar song we wanted to play around with it because we worked on it the day after we'd worked on now that i'm back and that song was such a blast to to mess with and i mean because all these songs started out on the guitar. I mean, like, that's how I write. Right. Generally okay. on guitar. I mean, I okay. did for the first time, for likewise, write piano parts before going into the studio for some of the songs. But uh, otherwise, it was a lot of improvisation. Certainly, Carry the Zero was a, a large amount of improvisation. And Joe did so much for that song with um, coming yeah. up with that uh, synthetic drum beat and the bass that he he composed for it as well as the electric like i play acoustic guitar on that song and um some of the synthetic melodies and then like some like scattered like tambo and Mm. and stuff and then we both play piano at the end yeah but yeah we just were we were messing around and i uh love the idea of doing like a pop version of very guitar based i mean you know it's one of my favorite solos is a from Carry the Zero. Yeah, it's such a great track. From, you, from, from Doug Marsh's solo. Right, yeah. Initially, I love what Joe does for, for his yeah. solo as well. So you write on guitar, and then do you know what you are... This might sound strange. But do you know what idea or imagery... You used that word earlier, I like that. 
what imagery you wanting to evoke prior to writing or is writing the only way that you can get to that point? Generally, if, if, I, if I have very strong um, desires for the direction a song needs to take, I find that that, that does tend to slow it down. Um, and it's very frustrating because I don't have, you know, A, I don't know theory. I mean, certainly, I, I understand that minor chords sound sad. Right. <laughs> I could, you know, I could so tell you sad. that in major or happier. Yes. But uh, in the, there's only been a couple times where certainly the the subject matter has stayed the you know consistent from beginning to end of a song. Sure. It's only been a couple instances where that's happened, where it's like this particular story needs to be told, um, you know, in a certain way, and for those songs that happen to come naturally but but otherwise i try to let the song move freely mo- mostly because i just don't i'm not really sure when i yes. start i know that something feels good i know that there's this one progression of notes that i like but it's very rare that something comes out of me you know beginning to end in one sitting since that doesn't really tend to be the case for me to say like it's got to be this way yeah, when it's not even done it. is yeah. uh yeah, it just it tends to slow it down. Did you have any songs on the album? Slow it if, up. Right. Did yeah. you have any songs that you look you look back to now? Because we're not we're like two weeks away from the release. Yeah. I think fifteen days. It? Yeah. For, oh, how do you feel? I didn't even ask Weird. you how you felt about it. <laughs> well, it's the longest I've ever because we finished that album was finished by May. Wow. Of okay. last year. So this is the longest. I think that you from yeah. from completion to release that I've ever experienced. What have you done in the time between? Try to be busy, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's maddening at yeah. times to think like God. I hope I still like this when it's done. Sure, I do still like it. I so hope that's so. Good. It's still God. fun to play. Um, I mean that's bad news. If you don't like it six months out, you're not gonna like it a no. year out going on tour with it. So you better. Do you have a favorite song that you've played yet from the album that you're excited to see how it's going to mature? They're all really fun. I mean, I love. I, I mean, I, I do love Piltdown Man. Playing that one's really nice. Um, it's been really fun, you know, working these songs out for the live version. Yeah, how are you gonna do? Like you mentioned, the district. Um, what is that track called? District. Lit. Wait. Oh, oh, Detroit. Detroit. Lake? Lake. Yes. Uh, yeah. Th- there's a few songs. Like I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, not that it really. I'm. I'm playing some songs with with some tracks, okay, and, that I use like a foot yes. switch with, and that's very new. That's a very new thing. I was for just me. gonna say using pedals in general is yes. still. I've I've generally in the last, God, I mean you know, I started using pedals. I mean in 2008 when I stopped playing acoustic and switched to electric, mm-hmm. or I guess 2009 technically I switched to electric, and the only pedal I used from for 10 years was like an overdrive right. pedal with the tuner right. and that's it. So I finally picked up a new pedal a few months ago and that's been, I mean, it's so funny that something so simple is, uh, has been such a gateway to well, me. There's a new, you have to have a new relationship with it now that it's coming with you. It's like an extra limb on stage. Like you haven't had to consider that before. So no, I definitely didn't have, especially having such prolific, I mean, not prolific, I'm such, um, profoundly good <laughs> musicians on stage with they me really are yeah in, in hop along i there's so much that they elevate songs to uh that now i have to you know 
do without for this album, and I certainly miss them very much. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited to work on, you know, more Hopalong material for sure. When did the last album come out? The last Hopalong? That was 2018. 2018. Yeah. So now... I suppose with the gaps. April of 2018, yeah. So do you think you're going to go back and work with them oh, on absolutely. the next album soon? I, I I couldn't say when, but certainly <laughs> it will certainly happen. Okay. But not too long. Not too long. I hope not. Yeah. yeah that would be a bummer. How do you feel about going out on, on tour? Not alone, because you won't be alone. But how do you feel in this in a new... This is a new spirit and a new phase for now. Obviously, it's not going to be forever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of why I, I wanted, you know... Touring over the years, it, it does very quickly, uh, you know, the country's structured a certain way, which is not changing at the right. moment. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, climate change. To get to warming. L.A., you have to go a certain route if right. you're going to, you know, yes. uh, not lose a ton of money or whatever. Generally, there there are the tried and true routes. And it's, it's nice to, um, yeah, I'll be with Mary Lattimore on this first tour oh. in March. But there oh were God, some I dates that I've already. Oh yeah, she's fantastic, oh. beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so harpist. good, so technically good. Oh my gosh, like each each note and a great writer. Oh. Yeah, I love the stuff. I mean, again, like I didn't tell her what to play are you, for are you? uh, the songs on the record. She just understood. Um, she understands music very very well. Yeah, and and, and mood. She mm-hmm. understands mood very well. So so fortunate to have her on the on the album and to be playing some shows with her. I'm very excited. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know, I love the possibility of spending a couple days somewhere rather than like having to really travel right. along because you've got this whole crew of people that you know have lives and. <laughs> but um, what is the thing that you are most excited about experiencing without the band now in this phase of your life, wherever wherever you are? Well, it's not it's it's not to do with the band, but I am excited to go to places that are harder for the band to get to okay. for financial reasons and also right. just just the sheer distance. Um, I, I'm playing like where Victoria, BC, a place I've never been yeah. to before. It's like this beautiful island. I I think. I mean, BC and in general is British Columbia. Is, yeah, it's funny calling it BC. Um, <laughs> sounds like you're a local. Is very. <laughs> I don't know if it sounds like that to them, but uh, but. We've only ever been to Vancouver, and then yeah, we have to, like, totally and we different. generally have to like speed right back out to make it to Seattle yeah, or wherever right. else where we have to be the next day. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see a little bit of Canada um, for longer than yeah a few hours. Amazing. Yeah. What do you feel like? Just just to end it off, what do you feel has been the thing that you've discovered from working in this way, working where you are making songs, releasing them you know, under your own name, uh, you've got your face on the cover, you've been in all the, you know, videos so far. Um, what have what have you discovered about yourself in that process? I'm certainly discovering um, some of the gravity of that, which I thought, of course, you know, sometimes you think you have a handle on how you're going to feel about, yeah, being, uh, answering to, yeah. And, uh, because I... I remember coming up with even when I was you know starting hop along solo I still wanted a different name I didn't want to use right I mean namely because I didn't want to be thought of as a singer songwriter back then I I didn't want to be thought of as I I wanted I mean there's so much stuff on freshman year it's uh I I did not want it to sound like I was alone um 
on that album. And now I'm, I don't really worry about that. I just want the songs to be realized mm. how they should be. I mean, that's what I thought back then too. I, I, that I thought that's how those songs needed to sound. Mm. They needed to sound full and, um, full of life and activity. And, uh, yeah, I've learned that, you know, it really feels different. It, it really feels different to be working under a different name, my own name, Your <laughs> which I've lived with some, for some time now, but, uh, <laughs> this is different. Um, but I've also learned that I'm a much better collaborator because I didn't, you know, it's not uh. as though, even though it's my name, I, I did not do this by myself. Joe Reinhardt is like a huge part of this record. He produced it, um, engineered and mixed yeah, that's it. Huge. I mean, it's, it sounds how it sounds because of Joe and then my hop along bandmates also are on it and participate. And I learned how much better at communicating uh, my ideas. I mean, Cause I remember wanting things to feel some way, but having no idea how to explain. And so things would just end up different than how they started, which I'm not sorry about. I mean, no. I'm not even sure I knew what I meant at the time. Exactly. You know, yeah, that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to collaborate further and especially with my own band. I mean, there's so much fun to work with. Tyler, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, it's great, really? but I miss him. <laughs> he he lives in, in Birmingham now. Uh, but you know, Joe and Mark are, are still, I mean, I spent New Year's Eve with Joe and, uh, Ryan and Kyle, who I've worked on records with. I mean, we're all still, we all still hang out, but I am excited to get back in the studio with them for sure. It's yeah. going to be great. I'm excited for that to too. Oh, thank <laughs> you. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you all week. During the holiday season, everyone's trying to get you to buy more stuff. Instead, head to StubHub so you can celebrate the season at a game or show. Take the whole family to the ballet, bang on the glass at a hockey game, or sing along with your favorite artist at a concert. Hey, we definitely count that as caroling. StubHub has the best selection of seats for all the holiday events you want to experience with your loved ones, and every ticket is 100% guaranteed. Get to StubHub.com or their user-friendly app today. StubHub. S-T-U-B-H-U-B. Be there. Consequence Podcast Network.